In our home, we have this device called an Alexa. Uh, some of you are hearing that and you're going, oh, you're just inviting everybody and their brother to snoop in on you. Well, let, we won't go there today. There's some convenient things about having an Alexa. It's kind of like, you know, Captain Picard in Star Trek that could just kind of talk to the computer and it do everything for him. Well, Alexa's not quite that good. But if I want to know what the weather's going to be today as I'm preparing to, to go out, is it going to rain? Is it going to get hot? Do I need to wear long sleeves or short sleeves, take an umbrella? If I need to know that, Alexa's really good at giving me that. I can ask for the news and I can get the headlines. Um, back when we used to play sports, some of you remember that, right? I could ask and it could tell me my favorite teams, what the score was in that particular game the night before. A lot of good things that I can get from Alexa. I, I can, I got this weird thing where songs just pop into my head. Well, right now when they pop into my head, I can just tell Alexa, hey, could you play that song? And boom, there it is. And I can get it out of my system. And so Alexa is a pretty good device in a lot of ways. As a matter of fact, they keep improving Alexa, trying to give it a little bit of a personality. But I've never been convinced that Alexa's a person. It's, a, it's kind of a, a, an artificial intelligence that sits there, but, but it's not a person. In our home, we have, we have a dog. We've had Mia for quite a while. Jay brought Mia home when she was a, a puppy, and she's just kind of hung around the whole time. And for the most part, it's been enjoyable. She's a lab mix. She's well-mannered. Uh, good temperament of a dog, has a really loud bark, which is great for chasing off people that you might not want to come around at night. So we, we like her. We talk to her. She is kind of part of our family. But contrary to popular belief, and don't get mad at me, Mia, our dog, is not a person. We have cats. Let me change that. Nancy has cats. We have three, in fact. It's all my fault. I brought two of them home to her because she was sad for losing one. Well, now we have three. Lois, Clark, D.C. Now, these, these cats, they're, they're a little different. They do cat things. They aren't playing fetch for us and aren't doing all those kinds of things that dogs would typically do. They tolerate, and you know what? I think they may even have a little bit of affection for Nancy. I'm not sure they have the same affection for me. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm almost convinced that while they're taking their little cat naps over there on the, on the, on the sofa, I, I'm almost convinced that they're, they're dreaming about my demise. And I'm eternally grateful that they don't have opposable thumbs or, or I might already be done in by them. Our cats have personalities, though, no doubt about that. We talk to them, or at least we talk at them. They are part of the family, but they're not persons. Mia has personality. We talk to her. She listens most of the time. She's part of the family. Mia's not a person. And I can say with complete confidence that that little device that sits up there in our kitchen alexa is not a person person we often use that word just as a as it means the same thing as human being 
We talk about a person. We're just talking about a, a human person, okay, a human being. Theologians and philosophers would take that a little bit deeper, and they might say that, uh, that a, a person is an individual being with a mind, emotions, and a will. And so, so what I'll say then, is when we're thinking about person, it goes beyond just being a human being. I, it, it, I mean, it, it really fulfills what it means to be a human being. I am a person because I'm able to think, to re- respond to stimuli, to feel, to reason, to make choices based on that reason, and to understand at least to some degree the consequences of my choices. That's different from the animal kingdom. That's, that's part of being a person, and I'm a person. Last week, we began to let God the Father introduce himself to us through his word. And we began by learning that God is spirit. In other words, he is not bound by time and space. He is everywhere all the time in all his fullness. Well, today, today we want to see that God is not just some nebulous spirit out there, some force that binds all things together. Rather, God is a person. He will introduce himself to us as a person. And the good news, the good news about God being a spirit is that no matter where we are, God's with us. But the good news about God being a person is that we can know him personally. In fact, what God wants is a personal relationship with you. With that in mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come here today, as we gather to hear your word, as we gather in worship We thank you that no matter where we are, you are with us. You're not deluded. You're not trimmed down. You are with us in the fullness of your presence wherever we are. Lord, that just blows our minds that you would be that kind of God. But Lord, today, we want to come to say to you that We want to know you more. God, we want to understand you as a a person. And we want to have a personal relationship with you, a growing relationship with you. We can't have a relationship with some nebulous spirit out there, some force binding all things together. We can't have a relationship with that, but we can have a relationship with you because you're a person. And so, God, we ask that through the the truth of your word, that through the power of your spirit, that you might open our ears, that we might hear what you want to speak into our lives, and that you might open our hearts and our minds, that we might receive the fullness of the message you have for us. And beyond that, that we might receive you fully. Speak to us in this time, Lord, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Where do we start? Well, let's start at the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, 
We'll begin reading with verse 26. And there we read, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We, we are persons precisely because we are made in the image of God. That's what separates us from every other creature, dogs and cats and cows and, and horses and pigs and, and tarantulas or whatever you can come up with. That's what separates us from all of them. Look, look with me in, in chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, where we read, The Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. That is said of no other creation in all of creation. That's it. No animal, not even a chimpanzee or a gorilla or anything, the smartest animal that you can think of. No, it's different. God breathed his spirit into us and, and we became truly, truly alive. We are distinct, unique. We, we have a spiritual life as well as a physical life. You are a person. I am a person because we are made in the image of a personal God. Our personhood is tied to the fact that we were created by a person. When we say that God is a person, now don't, don't, I want you to listen to me. We're not demeaning God and we're not demeaning his nature in any way. We are in fact elevating the definition of person to its highest state. To say that God is a person is not to say that God is just like us, only bigger and nicer God is not a human being. He never was a human being. He created humans. He's not even a glorified human as contrary to Mormon doctrine. What I'm saying is when we read through the pages of Scripture, which is God's self-revelation, that the qualities and the attributes of personhood are found in God. For instance, well... Let me say this, they're found in God, but they're found without the corruption of sin that we experience, right? So, so what do we see when we open up Scripture and we, we look at the Bible? What do we see about the personhood of God? Well, we see that God becomes angry. We see that God loves and that God hates. We see that, that God has compassion. We see that God grieves and God rejoices. He has a mind, he has emotions, he has will and he expresses all these things in absolute righteousness all these reveal god's personhood and we add to this that god is never an it he doesn't refer to himself as an it and the bible never refers to him as an it he is a he he is god he is not a thing not a nebulous entity not a spiritual force that binds all things together. He is a person. Think back with me 
those of you who grew up reading the Bible, do you remember the, when God met Moses in the burning bush? God gave Moses his personal name. Moses said, who, who shall I say is sending me? And God said, I am that I am. He gave him his personal name. We find personal titles for God always. For instance, God is called a, a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He's called a friend. He's called a counselor. Now, Albert Einstein, a pretty smart guy, he wrote this. Yes, he says, we know there is a cosmic force in the universe, but he is unknowable. As smart as Einstein is, and, and he was a pretty smart guy, I'm going to have to say, I think he's dead wrong. Oh, yes, I believe there's a cosmic force, but I believe he's know, knowable because I believe he's a person. He's revealed himself as a, a person. And because God is a person, we can know not only about God, we can personally know him. Well, that may lead to the question, how? How can we know this, this God? Well, we can know him because he's revealed himself to us. One of the ways that uh, I think is pretty obvious to everybody, and, and we talk about this and we sing about this, one of the ways that God reveals himself is through creation. Uh, when you go out and you are just... Uh, absolutely in awe at a sunset or a sunrise or you feel that that gentle breeze blowing across your skin or you see a, a thunderstorm rumbling in or you hear the crashing of the waves at the beach or you see the majesty when you go up to the mountains and you you see all that and and you would say with the psalmist the heavens declare the glory of God the sky above proclaims his handiwork Nature shouts that there is a creator who made this in beauty and majesty. And then the Apostle Paul would write to the church in Rome speaking about the ungodly and the unrighteous. He says this, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of of the world in the things that have been made so he says they are without excuse nature tells us a lot about God but it can only tell us so much from the beauty and the majesty of creation we know that God is is powerful we know that God is creative we know that God exists but once we know that God exists, then we've got a problem. Because now we've got to figure out how do we respond to this God? What should be our response to the God who made all of this? Honestly, that's why religions exist. There are over 4,300 religions in the world. That's why they exist, to find a way to respond to this God that we know is there but we don't quite understand him. But we do not have to find a God 
who is lost. God's not lost. It is he who is the seeker. It is he who is seeking out the lost in order to reveal himself to us. God is not playing hide and seek. As Henry Blackaby would write in his study, Experiencing God, God speaks. God speaks by the Holy Spirit through the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church in order to reveal himself, his purpose, and his ways. I would argue with Albert Einstein, I believe with all my heart that God is a knowable God, not an unknowable deity. The God who's revealed in the Bible is a person, and he wants to make himself known. He wants you to know him personally. And this is what sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. Religion is humanity's attempt to to find a God who seems to them to be lost. Christianity is God revealing himself to humanity who truly is lost without him. And the beauty is, when we enter into this personal relationship with him by placing our faith in his son Jesus Christ, it's a relationship that grows with each passing day. God, you see, doesn't reveal himself to us once and then he's done. God continues to reveal himself to us as we open up his word and read it, as we spend time with him in prayer, as we, we see him move in the circumstances of our lives and the lives of people around us, and as we walk with other men and women who share the same faith. It is a growing relationship that God wants us to have with him. God reveals himself as a person who invites you into a personal and growing relationship with him. Consider the words we read in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together. Let's think about this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be like wool. Come, let's, let's reason together. Person to person, God says. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you've already entered into a relationship with God through faith in His Son, Jesus. You have a personal relationship with a personal God. And I want to encourage you, don't put that on cruise control. Don't think, you know what, now I'm saved. Now, now my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I've got my get-out-of-hell-free card. I can just kind of cruise through life until it's over, until Jesus comes back or until they, they put me in a box and put it in the ground. I could just cruise. I don't have to know him more. I don't have to grow in that relationship. I don't have to, I don't have to become anything else. No, no, listen. Let me, let me tell you. God invites you to know him more every day. Once you, once you start to know him, God invites you to continue in that knowledge. And I hope and pray today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that you know him 
And that you're coming to know him more with each passing day as you open his word, as you spend time in prayer, as you spend time in ministry, as you spend time with other people. That it's just a growing thing for you. Don't, don't settle. Let our prayer be, I want to I know you, God. I want to know you more today than I did yesterday. I want to know you more than I did today, God. I want to know you. Think about this. I've got on a wedding ring, which means um, that we had a, a wedding some years back, almost 35 years ago. Nancy and I stood in front of a preacher at Vineville Baptist Church in Macon, Georgia, and we said our vows to one another, and we became husband and wife, a new relationship, the two becoming one. Now listen, that didn't mean the the, the, the marriage was over. It meant the marriage was beginning. It was a journey and has been a journey of discovery. And you know what? It'll be a journey of discovery as long as we're on this earth. We will grow in that relationship. We will come to know one another more. When married for 35 years, there are things that I'm still coming to know about Nancy. Now, Nancy would tell you I've probably forgotten most of those and have to relearn them. But we do that with God too, right? God, we have to relearn things that we've learned about God. Listen, God invites you into a growing relationship with him. And those of you who know him, don't be content to put it in cruise control. God calls you to know him more and to grow in him more. The closer to God you draw, the closer he comes to you. And God invites you to experience a closeness with him, an intimacy with him that is beyond anything that you've ever known before. Maybe you're willing to take that step today. Maybe you're willing to embrace that in your life. I hope and pray for you that you are. And in just a few moments, I'm going to pray that exactly. But I want to speak to those of you who may not, may not have that personal relationship with God yet. You haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You don't know that he is your father and that Jesus is your Savior, I want you to know today that today, this very day, God invites you to enter into a personal relationship with Him through His Son, Jesus. And I want to invite you to embrace His Son as Savior and to be embraced by Him as His child. Would you join me in prayer right now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us, for wanting us to know you more. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ who have that relationship with you. Maybe they've had it for many, many, many years. But I pray, Lord, that they will never simply be satisfied with the way it is. Give them a hunger, Lord, to want to know more, to want to know you more, to want to experience more of you in their lives. It doesn't matter. We never age out of this. We never get too old to know you more. God, make that a passion, a burning passion in our lives. And Lord, I want to pray for those who don't yet know you, who haven't yet experienced you as, 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 as the God of their lives, a personal relationship with you. 
through faith in Jesus, Lord, I want to pray for them that even now, even in this moment, your Holy Spirit and the power of your word would speak to their hearts and draw them close to you. They'd be willing to come to you, Lord, and confess their sins and, and place their faith in Jesus as their only hope and salvation, trusting in him who came, who was crucified, buried, and resurrected, and the only hope of salvation. Lord, I pray that even today, there might be one, some man, some woman, some teenager, some young, young person who would take that step of faith to embrace your Son as Savior and begin a journey of discovery, a journey of life, begin truly living because they've accepted your Son as Savior. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for never giving up on us. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, let me invite you if, you, have, if you have need to respond to what you've heard today, what God said to you today, then I want to encourage you to do that. If you made that step of faith, if you're, or you're ready to take that step of faith to embrace Jesus as your Savior, then I want to encourage you to look down at the bottom of the screen, and there you will see uh, an email address. It's, it's mynextsteps at gracefellowship.ws, mynextsteps at gracefellowship.ws. And if you'll send me an email and say, hey, listen, today, today I made a decision to follow Christ. Or maybe, maybe it is, to, hey, I want to know more about that. Then please send that to me. I want to celebrate with you. I want to help you get started on that walk with Christ. You also see down uh, beneath me here, you see a, a telephone number that you can text. And if you will text the word Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, if you'll text Jesus, and you can do it right now. To let me know that you've made that decision for Christ or that you'd like to begin that life in Christ. Then we want to follow up with you so we can help you get started in that journey. We have a personal God who wants us to know him personally and grow in him daily. And I rejoice. I rejoice that God never gave up on any of us.